Hello and welcome to another bonus edition of the Beantown Brits podcast. Tonight, I have the great pleasure to be joined by the one, the only Pete Pratt of Miami Marlins UK, Fish Across the Pond podcast and legend of the MLB UK community in play run show. We will be having a chat about the Miami Marlins and their season so far ahead of the series against the Red Sox this weekend at Fenway. Before I catch up with Pete though, a little background about the Marlins. The team were established as the Florida Marlins as an expansion team in 1993, starting off playing games at Joe Robbie Stadium, home of the Miami Dolphins. They changed to their current name of the Miami Marlins in 2012 when they moved to their brand spanking new Marlins Park in downtown Miami. They were originally owned by the CEO of Blockbuster Entertainment Corporation, I probably still have an overdue video somewhere and he's probably due chasing me and are now owned in part by Derek Jeter, who is the team's current CEO. They've only been to the playoff three times in their history, but twice went from wildcard to World Series champs in 1997 and 2003 when they beat the evil empire who had in game seven walk-off fashion uh, hit us with a uh, boon home run from that 2003 team came Mike Lyle and Josh Beckett, major players of the Sox title in 2007. Pete, my good friend, how are you? Hola, I'm doing well. How are you getting on? Yeah, not bad. Thank you. Not bad. Now, before I start and before we get going, I just want to say to some of the people who are listening, um, there will be a glossary of terms attached to the, the, uh, <laughs> the promotion of this broadcast because... For those who may not have seen Pete on In Play Runs or some of his um, his daily, let's say, recaps on Twitter, which are a storm, um, he uses quite a lot of terminology, let's say, that some other people might need explaining to. So bear with him. It's great fun. Trust me. So as I ask all guests, how, why the Marlins? Oh, boy, a great question. Uh, a familiar, I think a familiar answer to a lot of baseball fans where you end up in the US and you just end up going to a ball game. And at that moment, you're like, oh, okay, cool. This, this is good. So I'd actually been to, my brother lives in St. Louis. I'd been to Bush with him. That was my first ever baseball game, which was awesome day game. Boy, oh boy, there was some, there was some beers being drunk then, no doubt about it. And I'm a big, <laughs> you know, grew up as a big cricket fan and player. So, you know, the pace of play suited me fine. The culture, of sitting there in the sun, drinking beers, action happening around you. I'm all for that. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, you know, Bush as well as a, as a ballpark was completely blew my mind. Actually, it was sensational. Um, we actually, so we had a great day there. Next day we drove up to Kansas and went to Kaufman there and went, went to another game, a night game, got there late, still hung over. That wasn't quite as a, as good as an experience, but anyway, so that's where I kind of got into baseball. I didn't feel a connection to the Cardinals as a team for some reason, or, or the Royals. But a couple of years later, um, we went to Miami on a, on a family trip. And by that stage, I'd started following the game more. And I knew we were going to Miami. So I was like, right, I'm going to start following the Marlins a little bit. And mm. we'll go to a ball mm. game. And so we went against the Diamondbacks, turned up, raining, torrential rain, roof closed. Um, back in the day, this is like 2017, maybe. Um, yeah. Stanton hit a huge home run in the third, fourth inning. And I was like, whoa, this is the team for me. Went straight to the club store, bought the jersey. And then the rebuild started there, pretty much. Yeah. 
Well, what the rebuild of your wardrobe <laughs> with the, well, the Bronze Collection of T-shirts and other yeah, merch. That's true. <laughs> so, which actually leads nicely onto my first question because I, I think for a lot of baseball fans, they would have seen over the years uh, the Miami Marlins as a bit of a, a let's I was going to say a bottom feeder team, but a low rung team in not only the NL East but obviously the whole NL, uh, and it was very much about producing prospects. As soon as they were any good, they were kind of shipped off, and we get some more prospects back, and we get a bit of cash back you know which is fine and that some teams are like that um but there seems to have been a real culture change over the last couple of years is is that the jeter effect since he's come on board 100 percent. the the miami marlins that you you talked about there that that's a a correct assessment um jeter um coming in as ceo and you know bruce sherman is part of that as well the guys for me the proper baseball guys firstly you know we know we all know who derek jeter is we know he what he's about he takes no shit let's say and he's got a clear plan the thing for me is he he set his plan out early doors laid it out and he's not deviated from it for me the plan is working and the marlins are in the best position we've been in for 15 years probably um as a franchise so the the other thing as well the up and down the organization it is lined with guys now who just know what they're they're doing the, the development, the scouting, everything is just on point. Kim Ang obviously being um, coming in as GM through the offseason. They're just filling the franchise, the organization with talent, not just on the field, but off the field too. And I think that, you know, it's, it's huge for the, a team like the Marlins because you don't have the payroll. You never, we're never going to have the financial muscle. So you have to be a draft and develop team. You have to be to mm-hmm. survive, but you've just got to be better than everyone else in that. And that's the key to it. So the plan was laid out. We're sticking to it. We made the playoffs last year, shortened season, but doesn't matter. You still got to get there. Um, yeah, yeah. It was ahead yeah, of schedule. Ahead of schedule, right? So, you know, the, the rebuild is carrying on. It's 2021. I think our window was supposed to open next year, was like my sense of it all along. And um, you can already start to see it now. The pitching is turning, right? You know, you can see the Marlins pitching is, is really getting there now. So... It's can you get some of the offensive guys developed? Can you get them progressed? If you can, you've got the rotation for the next five years. Yeah. You can progress the, the offense then. It's going to yeah. be a nice, nice team. Bringing in Kim Yang, what, you know, obviously a great story. It, there seems to be a lot of positive PR coming out of the Marlins nowadays. Absolutely. I mean, you know, the hire of Kim Ang from a baseball perspective, I, I didn't know anything about Kim Ang before she was yeah. hired. I had to look her up, but when I went and looked into it, I was like, wow. She's been around the game for years, been part of very successful organizations for years. Yeah. Was then working with MLB for a few years. But listen, the, the story is excellent, no doubt. It's not a publicity stunt, though, I must say. Like no, she's no, 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 I didn't, didn't imply it was. It's, 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 it's just, it all seems just that everything is a positive step. Nowadays. 100%, exactly, yeah. yeah. I completely agree. Like, it's just, it's just a great baseball move and a great, you know, but a great story too, no doubt. I mean, you know, the women in baseball, you know, momentum stuff's really picking up and equality in, in you know, sports and general life. It's yeah, it's a great hey, story. Hey, to but, that, hey, hey, to yeah, that you know, for those of us who have daughters, uh, that, that's very important to us. So obviously, it was, you said last year was a bit ahead of expectation, but you took advantage of what the situation was. Um, so we get into the winter. How was that for you? Because... 
again, you would argue that it's kind of, it's low lying fruit stuff. I'm going to be honest, you know, and, and I wouldn't have expected that, you know, the Marlins to be on, on people like Cole, you know, and we're not asking that. But how, how was it for you? Was it, was it, was it a good winter? Oh, it, it was a, what I think is now a typical Marlins winter. I'll describe it as that, where the bullpen, let's start there. I think that's the right place. That was where the most moves were made. Effectively, the whole bullpen was shipped out. Only one, I think, of Yimmy Garcia, that's now the closer, but didn't start as the closer. Mm. Only Yimmy, I think, was on the roster last year that was is in the bullpen now. So, But it was littered with guys that, you know, you don't know. You don't know yeah. the names. Like, yeah. truly, you just don't know these guys. And I, I watch the Marlins. I don't watch baseball, if that makes sense. Like, I'll watch every Marlins game. So I'll see the other teams, but I won't see everything else around that's going on. So a lot of these guys coming from West Coast teams or AL teams, I've never seen them before. Truly, I've not. And then, you know, it's just a lottery. So the bullpen was pieced together. It's standing up okay thus far. You added in Adam Duvall that had a great season with, with uh, the Braves. Yeah. You, you wanted a power bat. You got him. He has power, no doubt about it. But listen, the Marlins, they're not going to be shopping in that you know, top tier. Yeah, they yeah, never sure. will. Um, yeah. you know, so it's all about draft develop and, and add a few pieces here and there. So I, it, was, it was a slow offseason, I think, in general. I think it just the whole baseball was slow, like you know, pandemic still going on. Not ideal, I guess. No circumstances for players or teams to be making crazy deals but in overall when I look at it I think the Marlins added what they needed um, and really for, for the Marlins the major thing is the minor leagues are back that yeah. is what we needed the farm is stacked and so you need to develop the dudes in the farm that's the bit that we needed most yeah and I, and I guess they would have seen that you know the front office would have seen that we we've got guys who are almost ready if not quite and maybe they can get that last bit of seasoning in in the majors that they might have had another two three months in the minors but you know what let's just throw them in and see if they can they can swim and and i think some ways that's you know we've had a few kids that we've done that too some it's worked some it hasn't but you know that's the very nature of the minor league system is you don't know about prospects you no, hope they're great uh, and you know if 50 percent come off that's a that's a good conversion rate, quite frankly. Yeah, so we're into the season so far. Um, the NL East is probably like the AL East, ridiculously competitive and ridiculously close, albeit maybe, let's say, and maybe a notch down on the winning percentages, um, <laughs> let's say, from us. So, But you're 23 and 25, unfortunately dropped one to the Phillies last night. And so you got the decider later, which I'm sure, knowing you, you'll be watching. Um, <laughs> I guess this is a, a good start to the season, a positive start to be in the mix, to be competing. I, I think that's a fair summary where we're at the end of May. Um, we're two games back at the end of the, at, at the end of the month, the end of May. I think that's the kind of spot that you want to be in. Um, I, I mean, everyone's been dinged up. I think the Marlins got dinged up early earlier than most. And then actually other teams around us, like the Mets and Phillies have started to get the waves of injuries too. So everyone's dealing with it. Depth is tested, no doubt. But listen, we're two games back. We're two games back at the Mets too. And they're so dinged up. Like for me, the Mets, it's not sustainable right now. Like yep. I think they're going to have a rough patch. So the Braves are starting to hit some form. You, 
ahead of the season, for me, I thought the Braves were the clear class of the division. Um, they've, they're dealing with some, you know, injuries too. So listen, everyone is, that's the thing now. It's everyone is having to deal with three, four, five dudes out at one time. And it, it, it these aren't the teams that you saw going into the year. It's one, no. one the, wasn't the lineup that you expected. And so can you hang tough? But for me, the Marlins are well set because pitching's good. It means we'll always be in the game. So we look at the run differential. I know does it mean anything? I don't know. But for me, the Marlins, positive run differential. That says to me, you don't get blown up. You pitch well. Um, you're in games. And you give a chance to win. And that's what we're about. It means you're probably going to win more games than you're going to lose. I know there is, you know, you, you can get a few lopsided scores and that can that, that can throw it out. But I think the longer the season goes, the more that, that that's not really applicable, those sort of outliers. Um, so I think, yeah. I think you know, run differential is, is a good key to sort of where the teams are. Now, you know, we're obviously, a, we're a positive team and, and, and that's been, a, that's probably reflected in our position here. Um, although yeah. there's, there's some stories to tell between sort of first half, first April and, and, and May with the Red Sox. Um, so obviously let's talk about the sort of different elements. So the offense. And it seems to be full of some studs at the moment, is using a Pete Pratt term. Um, well, I like the use. I like the use of the word studs for sure. It's littered with studs. No, <laughs> I mean the main, the main dudes, right? The main, the main dudes we got to talk about. Um, and it's hard because you know Brian Anderson, whether you call him a stud, I don't know, but he was heating up a lot for the Marlins going on the IL yesterday. So that's not good news. You won't see him. Um, you know, Jazz Chisholm rolled his ankle yesterday. He's not in the lineup today. Day to day, it's unclear if we see Jazz, but talk about studs like well, no, that's a Jazz Chisholm's been seeing him. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing him. Yeah, absolutely. He's day to day. So, you know, still got a couple of days. We'll yeah. we'll see. He's um, you know, but he, he he's come in, he's an electric guy, the kind of spark plug you love to see, right? You know, Jazz Chisholm, you know, love the player, love the attitude, started hot. Home, home run off the Grom, 100 mile an hour, way above the zone. I mean, it was like an iconic moment. One of the, the prettiest home runs I've ever seen. One of the most effortless <laughs> 450 foot home runs I've ever seen off the best pitcher in the game. For any Red Sox guys that are listening, and it'll be all Red Sox guys, if you haven't seen it, go and look at Jazz Chisholm's home run against the Grom. It was sensational. Absolutely sensational from a dude, a rookie. Because he's obviously. He obviously represents Britain in baseball. So, yeah, do go and look for it. Even more so, as a British baseball. Exactly. Good connection. So, but in general, I must say the offense, it's been hot and cold. Like in, in general, yeah. it's been probably more cold than hot. Some guys are starting to come around, but I'd say the, the offensive side has not been our strong point, mainly because that's the area we've been most injured, let's say. You know, Jazz has been on the IL. Starling Marte is still on the IL. Um, on a re Mar uh, He's on rehab at the moment. So he's um, started yesterday's first rehab. So you won't see him. Um, no. uh, but, you know, he's your best player. When you miss your best player offensively, yeah, um, yeah it hurts. It hurts you. So if you're having to make do with, you know, mix a match in centre field. Um, but it's, it's a workmanlike offense, I describe it as, in the main. And then now and again, Adam Duvall will go bananas and hit four home runs in, in, in four <laughs> at bats. You know, anything can happen. Clearly, let's hope not at Fenway. Uh, but I, I think, as we'll all appreciate, and you, I know you'll go on to say, 
um, the rotation. Um, your top three, certainly top two, are Sandy. How do you pronounce his surname? Is it Alcantara? Yeah. Yeah, Sandy and, Alcantara. And, yeah, and then Trevor Rogers. Um, you know, they they've, they've they've thrown it good. They're throwing it good, let's say. Um, but there seems to be a bit. You're building some depth this year that probably was a bit surprising. Is that fair? Yeah. So that's it's a good point. The road, the guys you mentioned. So. Sandy was all, you know, opening day starter. He's the ace, ace of the staff. Um, went eight last night um, against the Phils. You'll see Sandy. So, um, yeah. you know, will be a good matchup there. Trevor Rogers, you know, was ascended, had a couple of starts last year, but has really kicked on. Like the development has been fast, very fast for, for Trevor Rogers and, you know, looks real nice. You'll see Trevor too. So it's going to yeah. be, you're going to get a good look at these guys. Yeah. Um, Pablo Lopez uh, also has been around for a few years. You know, he's a top, you know, he's, he's a two or a three, right? The thing is, from a Marlins side is Sixo Sanchez, we haven't seen. We all know the name, but we haven't seen him this year because he got hurt in, in spring. Eliezer Hernandez, our fifth or fourth starter, equally got hurt. So what that means is two spots that yeah. were projected to be filled, you got to mix and match. So we've been bullpenning. Okay. And also we've had a couple of guys come in, but the one guy that's come in and done well recently, Cody Petit, I've never heard of him before either, but um, <laughs> he's come in three starts. He's going to be, I think, in game one against the Red Sox. And, um, you know, three games under two ERA. He just went seven strong in his last outing. You know, these are the stories. These guys just appear from nowhere. And next thing is, you know, and it's the one thing from a Marlins development perspective. They are they're adding change-ups, elite change-ups to all of their pitches like that. Is the difference maker. Everyone now is appearing as a Marlins pitcher has got this changeup that is nasty. So whatever they're doing development-wise, it's really working. Mm, okay. Well, again, yeah, well, obviously Jackie Wilson once sung a Reek Petit. Uh, we'll look forward to seeing this new guy that's come Sorry. along. So, um, <laughs> and, and then obviously the bullpen is is something that you said was a sort of complete change. Has it settled down, or is it still temperamental? I mean, bullpens are temperamental in general, right? Well, yes, so yes, um, that's fair. That's very fair. <laughs> we'll we'll start there. You know, let's let's. We had a, a couple of early kinks in the road. You know, we signed Anthony Bass, slotted in as the closer. I'm not sure he's ever really been a closer before. He's a middle reliever, I think, or you know, a setup guy. You know, we got blown up in his first couple of save opportunities. So, Yimmy Garcia then comes in, takes the spot. But in general, listen, the bullpen's been good. You, you can't get away from it. It's probably, I haven't got the numbers in front of me, but yeah. they're probably a top five in the NL, I would say. Um, they've been good and they've been worked. Like when you've got two bullpen games out of five, which is what we've been doing, um, you've got to be good. And they have been. So, um, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of different guys in there, different looks. You know, we've signed some guys. We traded for some guys. I mean, we traded with the Rays. You never trade with the Rays. We traded with the Dodgers. You never trade with the Dodgers. Um, you know, it's do. dangerous to do that. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> you, you guys do absolutely. Yeah, you you love a trade with the uh, with the Dodgers for sure. You certainly do. Um, so. <laughs> but yeah, the bullpen in general, it's good. I would describe it as every bullpen. You know, is full of anxiety, but. Pitch inside from, from the Marlins this year has been good. The offense has been hot and cold. I think our record is fair in terms of where we're at in the, the offense has not been great. 
and it's been a bit dinged up. And I think the Marlins right now have played like a 500 club, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Uh, look, at this stage of the at this stage of the season, given the nature and performance of the teams around you in your division, 500 is 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 sitting pretty. Um, <clears throat> you know, you could argue that. I wouldn't surprise me by your stop rate. But it might be there's one team above 500 and only just, and and it's a close race because even the even the Nationals have started creeping back up a little bit uh, over over the last week or two, ten days. Um, so we know we obviously talked about the proposed sort of starting rotation at Fenway. It sounds like it's Petit uh, and then Rogers and then Sandy. Um, yeah. And for you guys, I guess that's perfect coming up against our hitting lineup. Um, I'm not sure about the Red Sox yet because we, Eduardo Rodriguez, um, who obviously had a, was a really serious bout of COVID last year and, and created mm-hmm. heart problems. Uh, and, and no matter what his form this season, it's just nice to have him back in, in good health and to see the guy thrown. Um, that's way more important. Um, he may, he struggled in May. It's not bad struggles, but he just seems to be can't get past five innings and it's four runs every start quite often in a single innings. And it's put us in a few holes recently. And we've got another we've had a day off Monday. We've got a day off Thursday. So wondering whether he might yet skip and whether they might push Richards back in on the Sunday. But I would envisage that it'd be Perez on on Friday. Evaldi on Saturday uh, against Rogers, which could be a great matchup. Oh, yeah. uh, that sounds good. Let, let's say it's Rodriguez against Sandy. So in theory, our top two against your top two. Um, that was tasty. I'd have a bit more faith in your top two, though, because in many ways, our rotation has flipped, whereas the number five starter, Gat Richards, is probably pitching the best out of anyone, along with Nick Pavetta, who was supposed to be our fourth guy, third, fourth guy. Um, yeah. and, and Perez is doing well, and Valdi and Rodriguez, the money guys paid all the money. Yeah. Anyway, there we go. So, um, in terms of a batting lineup, in terms of the Red Sox, who, who do you see are the key dangers for you? Obviously, you probably say you don't watch much, but you'll un- you've got. I know you've got a good baseball knowledge. Yeah, I, I mean, th- that's a good question. I think the thing is the way this series when I think of the Red Sox versus the, the Marlins, and this is our first stint as well with, with AL rules. So we've not yeah. had a DH yet, which I think is interesting from a Marlins side, because we've got a couple of guys that are absolutely going bananas in AAA. Okay. Um, so I'm, what, what the Marlins fan base is interested in is, do we maybe get a look at this guy, Jesus Sanchez? He's basically been hitting 500 um, in AAA, mm. bombs galore. He's, he's, He's going bananas and everyone's thinking, well, what's he got to do? You know, when do you get the call? Our offense has been scuttling. When do you call up this guy that's clearly too good for this level? Could be this weekend. So I'm, I'm intrigued to see if Marlin, the Marlins make that move. Um, with the DH there, you, you know, it frees up one of the other guys to slot in the DH. You, you can put this Jesus Sanchez in right field. So um, anyway, going off on a tangent there, which is standard, um, what I'd say, though, from a series perspective is the Marlins' strength is the pitch, and I'd say the Red Sox' strength is the offensive side. Yeah. And so it's going to be a real nice series, I think. You know, you see how your starters line up. But, I mean, who's been – I mean, for me, when I think of the Red Sox, I think of 
Devers and, and Bogarts, they're the two guys clearly that are like front and center in my mind. Yeah. And I think both of them have got off to great starts, right? Yeah. So, you know, well, they're, they're for me the dangers. I think, I think what for just sort of the Red Sox strength is, is the top five. So it starts with Fernandez, who, who has been consistent at around the 260 mark. Um, obviously, offers some speed. Um, and then obviously, Verdugo's having a very good season. So he's, pretty, he's around the 300 mark. Martinez is 330s. Bogarts is 340s. Then you've got Devers, who's around the 300 mark. Then it can <laughs> become patchy. And it was interesting, we were having this chat with Nick that, you know, a bit like the Angels, we are very lopsided in our batting lineup in the, the top mm. five. And maybe let's add Vasquez, Stroke, Arroyo in sixth, our key. But seven, eight and nine has been a massive problem all season. And Same for us. It, ah. it, 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 to the point where you kind of, there's, you know, Hunter Renfro, he's turning a bit of a corner. We've got Bobby Dalbeck, who's young and talented, but it, it, it's a bit of a struggle at times. Mm. Um, Franchi Cordero, who we got from the, <laughs> uh, from um, from the Royal, uh, from San Diego with in a trade that joined the Royals, which Benatendi going has not been a popular one now, given his start. Um, yeah, it's so if the top perform, then the Red Sox score a lot of runs. The problem has come is where say the top five or six have a coldish night. Mm. The bottom just isn't picking people up on those nights. So yeah. the Red Sox do blow a little bit hot and cold at the moment. That's, that's been their problem in, in May is that they can go out and score nine or 10 runs easy. Just flick, flick, you know, flick of a switch. But they can throw in and, and probably do once a series, a game where they just won't score a run. Yeah, uh, And so I guess with your two sort of linchpins, your two guys who are properly uh, properly on top of their game at this season. It could be an interesting matchup. You know, we've had guys come in. Jonathan Means has owned us. Well, he's owned everybody, quite frankly, from Baltimore. Um, but we've had some other guys, you know, Charlie Morton last night, he had the bases loaded, no outs in the first and got out of it and then went on yeah. to basically, uh, we ended up with three hits all game. That's the cold night. Now, it's just as likely the Red Sox will bounce back tonight and just you know, hit the hit the brakes for 14, 15 hits and, you know, nine runs. It, it, that's how it is at the moment. Um, so I think you're right. I think the key is going to be, are our hitters in one of their hot days or cold days against your strong starting rotation? Um, and yeah, it's going to be strength on strength there, I think. It's going to be yeah. intriguing um, for sure. So, yeah, that's what it's going to come down to. The You know, you talk about the seven to nine spots. I mean, you're clearly in, in the NL, the nine spot in the main is the pitcher, right? So we've not, not much production no, there. No, no, no. You know, seven, seven, eight, nine for, for the Marlins side has been turgid all year. I mean, you know, we've had backup catchers galore playing, so that doesn't help. Uh, just got Alfaro back, so our catcher is back, which is good. Um, I think I've seen him hitting in the five hole tonight. So uh, we've got a, a real, we've got a Sunday lineup going on a, on a Wednesday today, seemingly. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Yeah. No Miggy Rowe, no no one's playing basically. So uh, and we've got a uh, Nick Nider starting, who's been in AAA. So it feels like a kind of white flag type game almost, where you go right. Listen, this is our day off. We have no days off this week, so this is our day on a Wednesday. So 
yeah, we'll 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 probably rock the Phillies ten nil then tonight. You know, you know the way baseball works. That's funny. We 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 had a white flag day, a big white flag day on last Sunday against yeah. the Phillies. Funny enough, and where we literally took out uh, Devers, Bogarts, and Martinez had the lineup, uh, and. And I don't know, Dave will go, oh, yes. Suddenly, it was the first time I'd heard him all weekend on Twitter. The yeah. first time he raised his head. Oh, yeah, look at us. Oh, yeah, Dave. And I'm thinking. You've been struggling, I think, the last week or so. But so just talk, talk to me about J.D. Martinez anyway, because, you know, he had a, you know, we had a bit of a down year in a, in a 60 game. There were some, you know, reports out, I think, that, you know, he, he couldn't quite get into it, I think. Or, you know, he, he personally just didn't get in in the groove or whatever but is he back is it JD Martinez of old yeah yeah this is the the way JD Martinez is in preparation and I think that's the key word preparation Mm -hmm. is that he is extremely thorough through building up pre-season into spring training into the games so it is a long period of intense build-up it's all about videos, preparation, constant grooving, a swing. He, he's he's just a a proper a studier of both the opposition and his swing. And, and, and it, his problem last year, I think, was because we had such a short build-up and because there was just uncertainty that he never got that. And of course, the problem is you start cold and you start really cold, like he did. He just never had a chance to catch up. And by then, the socks were sucking. And he's probably thinking, do you know what? I really want to go through this grind this year. And I think it was just a matter of circumstance last year. But yeah. he's gone away. Obviously, the great thing is that's probably been an, an extra spur over the winter. He's gone away. And yeah, this is this is the Martinez of old. Not so many home runs, maybe, but hitting a lot of doubles. A lot of doubles, opposite way. Uh, a, lot of, a, lot of his, a lot of these home runs have actually been dead centre. Which right. for me, that's a good sign. Which you is know, a from good hitting. sign. It means a guy is really seeing it. If he hits it at dead center, it's not like a bit of a slice or, a, or it's, he's a bit <laughs> early on it, and it's a it's a it's a quick pull round the, the the pole. But you know, dead center at Fenway is, and you're hitting them up into the crowd there. That's a good hit. That's you know, a pure well, hit. You you were saying about Dave from UK Phillies. I messaged Dave um, the other day because I knew we had this series coming up, and I said to him, "Listen, Dave, talk to him about the Red Sox." Are they legit? I mean, you know, you sit in 29 and 20 mm. um, after having a turgid 2020, like the Sox just, they basically went with a, a zero man rotation, it seemed from afar. Um, and so, you know, I said to him, you know, are the Sox legit? Are they, are they good or is what's going on? And he replied and just said, listen, they're good. Offense is good. The Sox are good. So he's verified it. But from your perspective, like what's changed? Like, is this a surprise for you guys? Were you expecting to be this good? I think it's a little bit of return to norm for some of the players that underperformed last year Mm. and to some degree a little bit in 2019. Mm. I think one of the great things of last season was that with a lot of injuries to Erod not being there, Chris Sale not being there, is that we got a chance to look at some players. So we had a chance to take a, a bit of a punt at Nick Pavetta. Um, knowing that sales holder, um, the guy we've got in who's now in the minors, Seabold, who's in the minors, um, was probably the real key to that trade. Plus, we got rid of two 
relievers who basically got canned by the Phillies at the end of the season anyway. And in fact, one of them's in minor league camp with us on a minor league contract again and come back. So it sounds like we won that deal. Uh, but you gave you gave us a chance to look at these guys end of the season, give them a couple of months and see what happens. You know, Tanner Hout came up from AAA. He's a, he's on the IL at the moment down there, but another positive pitching story. He got four or five starts and, and really blossomed. His best game was against the Yankees because end of the season he virtually he he was unhittable against them. Yeah, um, which is a good he sign when against the Marlins too. Position. Um, so I think it's a bit of return to norm. Plus they found out a few about a few players which have boosted it. I think they traded well over the winter. I know there's we've lost the last two killer bees. Benatenti and Bradley Jr. But Bradley Jr. is not worth 17 million on a qualifying order offer. And Benatenti, whilst he's having a bit of resurgence at Kansas City this year, and I'm really pleased for the kid, I think there was, I think that was actually the kick up the backside he needed. And I don't think he was listening to people at the Red Sox. He was very much, from what I hear, stuck in his ways and wanted to play one way. And I think going to Kansas has made him realize that actually, do you know what? I'm, I'm not guaranteed of superstar status here, which he came up to mm. and grew into very quickly with us. So I think return to norm and just some key positive signings. Then Renfro's been decent with in defense. Kike Hernandez has been good. Um, Richards has been very good after a very dodgy start. And it's lovely to see a guy who's had all injury problems come back. Um, so I, I think it's, I would still think we're a 500 team and I still think we're a, a little bit over the front of our skis. Right. In that we're probably overperforming a little bit at the moment, but I hate I'm going to take it. Every time I'm going to take it, we've got a hard run now. So after you, we get Houston, New York, Houston, um, we've got Kansas, which isn't, easy, isn't an easy place. Red Sox have a terrible record there. Uh, and then we get into some games against Tampa and Toronto. So, you Tough know, stretch. Mid, by mid-June, we're really going to find out what these socks are. Now, if we can play mm. fire under ball from here and be 570, we're going to be there or thereabouts. I think I'll I can speak to you and say, yeah, we are legit this year. We've got sale coming back. And I wouldn't write us off doing some... Mixing and matching, let's say. I don't think we've got any money, so. but I wouldn't surprise you if we try and do some mixing and matches. We've also got a kid, the best-named player in baseball, in Duran Duran, sitting at AAA, uh, and he's hungry like a wolf. So, you know, and so... Get him up there. One boy is coming up. I'm sorry, I go... I, I, did, I mean, on our podcast the other day, I listed off about 20 Duran Duran songs in one song. <laughs> well, you, you got to take that opportunity. <laughs> so don't go there. But so I think he could be a bit of a... I think he can be a bit of a light bulb, sort of a, a spark plug coming in, in, mm. in the outfield. Um, he, he's tearing it up there. So it's like your guy. Yeah. Lanches, you, you know... A, you get to the point where you just say... They grow it, don't they? They do. This you get to the moment you go. Listen, we can't hold this guy back anymore. Mm. He he has to go up. Um, so it gets to that point. Who goes down, or you know, probably what happens is an injury pops up. I mean, that's twenty twenty one baseball right now. Is someone goes down and you're like, great, Duran Duran, he's in. You yeah, know, yeah, that's, yeah, that's the spot. So, yeah, yeah. You know. I'm, I'm looking forward to that day. Well, and, but, actually, you know, the, the division looks so I, strong. I can see a, I can see a t-shirt coming, or at least at least a t-shirt, but probably a shirt coming with that name and when he makes comes up. Um, anyway, 
Most important thing. Come on. Money where our mouth is. Prediction time. Well, I did our podcast. I'm going to be, last I'm night. Going to be honest here. I'm going to cut in here. I'm going to be honest here. I listened to your last Fish Over the Pond podcast in preparation to this. So I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to wait to see what you say. <laughs> yeah, we recorded that last night if I, if I got my days right. So yeah, that was recorded last night. I was on the record with a 2-1 win for the Marlins, I believe. Um, I just think that the pitching is good for us. So if we're going to win, like the Marlins will, will try hard to win those games. Um, You know, when you have your studs on the mound, your lineup usually matches it. Um, Seems to be the way we go. So yeah, yeah, but Cody Poteet, you know, nice guy too. So I'm intrigued. It's going to be a real fun series. Um, the, The question is, is can the Marlins pitch well enough to keep the Red Sox quiet? That's, that's the crucial bit. If yeah. we don't pitch well, we won't, we, you know, we could get swept. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I can see with the starting lineup, the way our starters have been performing. I, I could see why you might fancy it too. I honestly could. I, yeah. I would say we'd probably be the other way. And um, I think that we will, Rodriguez or Evaldi, if the season is going like it has done, will one of those will lose this weekend. It's yeah. just the way they are at the moment. I think Perez, in, if you can't get to him in the first innings, that'll be lights out. He, he's vulnerable first innings, but after that, he just seems somehow to... It's almost think, why have they not warmed him up for an extra 10 minutes, given him an extra inning bullpen warm-up? Because he comes down in the first looking like he's stone cold, and by the yeah. second, he's warmed up and he's going. Anyway, um, that's for that. But yeah, so I, I could see it being the other way. I, I see what you mean by the sweep. But I just, I know the Red Sox throw in a, probably one of the starters might throw in a bad one and it'll probably coincide with the cold night where the Red Sox lineup just doesn't hit. So, well, let's see, but let's hope it's fun. And that's all I enjoy. I just want fun baseball, so. I'm looking forward to the DH, I must say. Like, the DH last year was, it was a game changer for me, having, you know, really watched much like AL baseball before. But having the pitcher now, and I know you don't see that, but, you know, that often um but that picture at the bottom of the lineup it really doesn't have kill momentum in, oh, yeah. in in games like you know from the offensive side it's it's shocking really it, it's it's so bad for the game now um these pitchers you know hitting one for 70 or whatever or whatever the numbers are and just completely kill momentum so i'm really looking forward to the dh it's going to be yeah, fun cool. it's going to be fun no, no, i i know that you are let's say, like me, actually, in some ways, progressive. And we both agreed on some of the changes last year. And, and we're a little bit upset not to see them continue. Um, mm. But I guess you probably, from an L, NL side, wouldn't mind the DH being permanent in your league? It's happening. It's happening next yeah. year. So you know, as long as they can get their heads together. For me, the main risk for baseball in general right now is, can these two parties agree? Is there going to be baseball yeah. in 2022? Like, you know... It wouldn't shock me if there wasn't, but you know, the the bargaining chip of the DH, it, it isn't as great a chip as is being. You know, it's just going to happen. So that will happen. Um, I think it adds a lot to the game, personally. I, I think the bigger chip is arbit- arbitration and the um, starting of the clock. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Like like, them getting paid yeah. quicker to a better rate, um, which. 
one might then argue flatten the flatten the monetary curve away from say some of the big signings when they get free agents of course the danger is then they're they're already well into their career and who knows you know we've seen a few players with big contracts this season struggling and that's uh, the problem and the price. baseball baseball contracts are, are it's so backwards the way the, the the financial contracts play out where you end up having to pay guys for what they've done and basically you're not paying for the production they're about to give right. you because they're going to get too old. Like, you know, really baseball shortened amount of control, get players into the open market to get what they deserve. You know, if you're good, you're going to get paid. Well, if you're terrible, well, you're on league minimum or you're out of the game. Like, I don't know. Baseball's got a fundamental problem with the way they, the, the financial side fits, but it's so hard to make changes and so hard to agree. And that's why 2022 is a big risk. I think. I I I I I think you're right. I think we might we might lose a couple of months of the season. I think we might end up with a a a, a sort of let's say a repeat of the sort of COVID length season next season. Well, really sixty could. game sprint, smiling yeah, yeah, good enough. <laughs> hey, after our start, I'll take it this year. Um, if we can repeat that, right? Um, just quickly, one last thing before we sort of go on to some quick fire questions that I like to ask of people. Um, a bit of a tip of the hat from me, really, to to your manager, Don Mattingly. Um, because there was a guy who got heavily criticised at the Dodgers for not winning a World Series with the Dodgers. And it's... Look, we all know that actually taking that final step is the hardest bit, but I think what he's proved with the Marlins since he's been there is this guy really knows his, his, his stuff. He's worth his, he's worth his gold because... You know, I would actually say, you know, he is a top quality manager, one of the one of the best in the league, personally for me, to go and show him that actually it didn't worry about the what I had at the Dodgers because I can do to some degree and probably exceed my performance there with a with a with a Marlins team which is you know payrolls a tenth. I think that's probably right. It probably is a tenth. That's yeah. crazy, but listen, for, you know, I'm glad you brought it up because. I mean, he's firstly, he's the reigning NL manager of the year. So, um, and, and rightly so. What, how we managed to get that Marlins team into the playoffs, albeit expanded, with that COVID outbreak where the whole team was down for however long, to keep them afloat and to actually end up coming second in the division, in the toughest division in baseball, some would say. It's sensational. But having got to know and see Donnie closer than, than ever because you know, the access of being able to get via the Zoom calls and stuff with the Marlins. First of all, I must say, Donnie, he is a straight up stand-up dude, like yeah. as a human being, top guy. And I've never seen him lose his rag. He always will just, if you ask him a question, he'll give you the answer. And in, in many ways, that's refreshing in, mm. in baseball. Like, you know, there was stuff coming out yesterday where, you know, the Phillies managers out there lying, bareface lying because he's trying to about Bryce Harper and, you know. Just oh, like, I saw that. Yeah, on? yeah, I saw that. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, that's all, I guess, internal politics. Back to, you know, back to Donnie. Top dude. He's in the final year of his deal, actually, this year, too. So um, we'll see what the Marlins do. Um, clearly, <laughs> there's a lot of Yankee connections now in, in, in the Marlins anyway. So, you know, it wouldn't shock me if Donnie is extended, but we'll wait and see on that one. But like you said, that that job he did last year, but just in general, like having no payroll versus almost unlimited payroll, <laughs> it's it's a completely different job. But 
you know, it isn't just Donny though. Like the whole organization yeah, yeah. has changed, yeah. as we mentioned at the top. But straight up guy, top manager, love him to bits. Um, I hope the Marlins keep him around. I think they will. I think I think it'd be a travesty if the Marlins didn't at least tempt to. You know, if you get yeah. if they get if they get outbid by someone, you know, you kind of got to shrug your shoulders. But um, you know. I, I think they should be moving probably heaven and earth to keep him. I think he's absolute quality. And if he ever came across the, to the Red Sox, I would be more than happy with a manager like that. I can probably see that. Right. So some quick fire questions that I'd say to everybody. Cool. Don't worry. They're not that bad. I can see your face, but they're not that bad. Don't try. So I'm going to fire away quickly. Right. Favorite player current. Oh, my God. There's so many studs. How can I answer that one? But... <laughs> Chaz Chisholm is the clear guy with the connection, the UK connection. There you go. It's his favourite. It doesn't have to be best. It's going to be favourite. So favourite mm. player past? As in past Marlin? Well, you can pass. Yeah, go past Marlin. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, it's... Giancarlo Stanton was the, the best Marlin I've ever seen play. Um, albeit Jose Fernandez as well in that situation, you know unbelievable dude unbelievable pitcher meant so much to the marlins you know between those guys i mean didn't see so much of jose because i wasn't following the game as much but yeah this is not quick fire so i'm gonna go stanton <laughs> it's my well, favorite listen, past marlin i think you've seen the best of him because i don't think he's worth anywhere near his yankee contract anyway um favorite player non-marlin now you can't go stanton because he's in new york now <laughs> 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 what do you think Oh boy, my favorite non-Marlin is Max Scherzer, you know. Okay. I've always loved Max. I've always just what he's I mean, he's kind of at the in the twilight now, but I've loved Max. Yeah. The intensity, the quality, the dude, like just a straight up stud. Yeah. Cool. Player you would most like the Marlins to sign, and I put this inverted commas, money no object. <laughs> <laughs> money no object signing do you know what would be be very funny i think anyway it, it would be hysterical almost would be ronald acuna as a marlin with all the background and all the history there um i don't know if he's well he's not available but we'd have to trade for him <laughs> but i'll go ronnie acuna just for fun well look, money technically is not available you can just basically pretty hate to shut of cash okay so favorite baseball movie I'm a moneyball guy, I'd say. Yeah, fair enough. Um, favorite beverage whilst watching a game? I normally like an IPA, but if things, if, if I need it, I turn to rum. Do you? Excellent. I thought you might go on with your Malbec because I know you like, I know, I know you. Well, and that too. Beer. So I actually, I progress through. You kind of start with beer and then if things get hairy, you go, okay, let's get the Malbec going. And then if you need the rum, you need the rum. The rally yeah, rum. Fair enough. <laughs> Preferred snack watching a game? Oh, it's definitely not Twinkies. I know that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I'm a wings and fries guy, I would say. That's what I like with baseball. Okay. So, got a hot dog at the game. Mustard, ketchup, or both? Oh, God, I don't even know. I haven't had a hot dog for a long time, so... I think I'm straight up mustard, you know. Fair enough. I think I'm mustard. Okay. If you didn't follow the Marlins, who would you follow? 
Oh, this is getting into second team territory again. Um, well, it's not allowed to be second team because second team implies that you, you, they would be lower than the Marlins. It's just you never saw the Marlins. Is there any one sort of team you kind of you kind of keep an eye out and think oh, a little bit of a soft spot for them? Oh, that is that is a tough question. But uh, I'd say it probably is the Cardinals, only because I've been there and it's the first ever team I went to. So probably the Cards. I don't. I don't actually like the Cardinals. I find them pretty boring, actually, but I do follow them loosely. But, yeah, they don't excite me. Uh, ballpark you would most like to visit other than Miami? Oh. I must say, I would love to go to Citizens Bank for a Marlins-Phillies game. Like, the Phillies fans are loose. They are loose cannons wild atmosphere like i'm all for that i want crazy shit in the stands so like i'd have like i would love that um it would be in the bit like yeah citizens bank i think it would be a lot of fun it's funny i put a little tweet uh or a comment on one of dave's tweets uh, on sunday when they when they went four nil up and uh, i picked up my phone like two or three in the morning and the next morning and two or three in the morning i've got these clearly drunk philly fans sort of trolling me and all I'd said yeah. was, you know, it, it, it's uh, not doesn't surprise me. It's it, it's a weakened lineup, and they were trolling me, saying, "Ha!" And it's like, really, who cares? <laughs> it's like teammates to it. Anyway, so I ignored. It. Anyway, um, so one thing about the Marlins that a Red Sox fan wouldn't know. I'm going to give you two, um, a current and I guess a historic one. So the historic one is the Marlins have. They've won two World Series, you know, the Florida Marlins anyway, two World Series in our brief history. Um, we've never had a Cy Young winner. Never had a, it's a relatively young franchise, so we've never had a Cy Young. Jose Fernandez won Rookie of the Year. Um, it was third, I think, in the Cy, but no Cy Youngs for the, the two-time World Series champs. Um, and there's been some pitching going through there, particularly in the early days, not so much recently. So, But the second one, more current, don't know, I don't know if you guys will know the connection, but he's on the roster right now. We'll wait and see if he makes it through to the Red Sox series. But Rafael Devers' cousin may be on the roster for the Marlins. Excellent. Jose Devers. Excellent. I didn't know that. See, I didn't know he was there. Right, there you get the perfect answer. Perfect. Jose Devers is starting, he's starting today for the Marlins. So there's a decent chance he'll still be on the roster by, by the weekend. Excellent. Oh, well, that, that will take that man child may have a weak, weak series and he'd be too busy nattering away to his cousin. Um, He's anyway. completely the opposite body shape, too, I must say. He doesn't look anything like Raphael Devers, no. <laughs> to be fair, man child has slimmed down a bit this year. And he, Does he? <laughs> He's looking more of an athlete than he ever did. Okay. Uh, than those first couple of seasons when he was like Kojak coming up with a lollipop. Um, <laughs> bless him. Uh, he, he's great. I, I love him. Um, so, you're in the garden, big screen showing a Miami Marlins game. Who would you most like to see the Marlins beat in that game? I think I know that answer. And which three baseball people would you like to share the game with? Oh. Well, I would love to see the Marlins in that game beat the Braves. Oh. So it the Marlins-Braves thing has been brewing for a while. There's this Ronald Acuna, 
stuff linked to hit by pitch related stuff from Jose Reina and whatever. So there's a rivalry there. So I personally would like to beat the Braves. That's the, that's what I would enjoy most. Who would I want to sit in there? I'd want Braves in the UK, Bob Bamba next to me for sure. Um, <laughs> to enjoy it with me. Um, and oh, who else would be there from a baseball side? Bloody hell, that's tough. That is tough. I think I want some heavy drinkers in the mix. I'd want actually. I'd I'd like um I'd like LA Angels Nick in the mix. He's he's a lively character. He likes his beer too. So yep. you know, Nick's there too, and we'll get some sort of pro over as well, just to kind of give us the insight. So we'll have like an ex Marlin in there. Uh, who are we gonna have? Um, uh, do you know what? For good fun. For good fun, we'll bring. We'll bring Jose Arena in there, actually. Let's get Arena sat next to us. So we've got Bob Bamba from the Braves, UK. Nick for the beers. Bob doesn't drink. And uh, Jose Arena just to talk us through. And we're watching the Marlins spank the Braves. There, there you, go. you go. Perfect. Sounds like a damn good evening. Sounds like a damn good evening. <laughs> right. Buddy, look, this has been a fantastic catch-up. Thank you very much for coming on. Uh, it's always great to talk to you. And hopefully um, there will be an in-play run soon where we can both get on and uh, maybe our teams might actually win for a change yeah i know you guys have more success than us but uh, not not much we, we've, not had much. A, we've had a yeah, <laughs> terrible record too it's, it's the curse of ipr for sure i'm just glad it wasn't last weekend when it, the if the phillies have been beating us dave would have just been unbearable no that would really? be terrible. look again thanks buddy good luck for the rest of the season i'll be following the fish um i've got a soft spot for them so yeah, go and win that NL East and yeah, hey, wouldn't it be great? A bit of Sox Marlins in the postseason would always be fun. We could have a lot Absolutely. of beers and a lot of banter on that. 100%. Listen, great to be on. I'm glad the podcast is fired up. Really, really great to see. So well done to you and the guys and going to be a fun series over the weekend. Really looking forward to it. And yeah, like you said, if we meet in the World Series, boy, oh boy, there'd be some beers. So uh, yeah, let's uh, let's pray for that one. Great. Look, thanks. That was a great chat. Um, it only leaves me to say thank you very much for listening and um, start the car and go Red Sox.